you know, sometimes we have these mental spirals that either send us down a negative spiral or a positive upward spiral. And often things come into our, our, our minds and, you know, maybe we, we see it as a negative thought and we become discouraged and deflated and demotivated. And if we dwell in that sp space, we become depressed where I've recognized that if people say, okay, it's just a thought, it's not necessarily negative. It's just a thought. What's one positive action that I can take? to make things better. And then you take one positive action after the next positive action, you start making some progress. We know with when you make progress, you start feeling inspired, you start feeling better about yourself and you start doing that consistently, one positive action after the next, you build up momentum and eventually you become unstoppable. So the gap is from down at the bottom of that negative spiral where you're depressed to the top of the positive spiral where you're unstoppable. It starts with one positive action. And I think if we can take one positive action in our own lives, we m make progress in our own lives. We make the world around us better. And, you know, you think about uh, the seven and a half billion people on the planet, each taking one positive action a day, I think the world would be a better place. Welcome to the Ideas on Stage podcast, your regular insight into leadership communication. Hey, John, welcome to the show. Andrea, thank you for having me. It's a privilege and pleasure to be with you and excited about our conversation today. The privilege and pleasure is all mine. Thank you for, for your time. I appreciate it. Now, John, today we're going to talk about personal mastery, professional excellence, and the ideas that you have in your great book, which I have here, Liberate Your Greatness. Now, I know that there is a a meaningful and a powerful story behind your book and 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 which led you eventually to to write the book would you like to to share your origin story thanks andrea yes i'm super passionate about both principles and our themes that run throughout the book um around personal mastery and professional excellence it was Stephen Covey that said that private victories precede public victories. And I firmly believe that, you know, when we win in our personal lives, that spills over into our professional lives. And, and really the origin of the concept of liberating greatness and, and hence the book title, Liberate Your Greatness, um, came from when I defined my, my purpose um, almost 20 years ago. Um, I was working in a corporate environment. Um, thriving personally and professionally, fit, healthy, um, you know, involved in many different things in life, super productive, growing my career. And um, almost 20 years ago to the day, um, I lost my my father to suicide and um, just something that completely rocked my family's world, something we didn't see coming, um, something nobody expected. There were 2,000 people at his funeral for perspective, a man loved by his community, served with all his heart, a businessman, a, a philanthropist, just gave everything he had to give. But I think during that process, he burnt out. He didn't have the strategies that we now know around things like sleep and exercise and nutrition and looking after your spirit and environment and those things to help us thrive personally so that we can continue to thrive professionally. It's that whole idea of you know putting your own oxygen mask on first so that you can help everybody else around you. He just didn't have those strategies. And he burnt out. He he lost um, confidence. He lost mindset. He had been on a a cocktail of medication for a back operation, and we lost him. And, you know, it's not something that he did as a committing a crime. We lost him. It was a mental health disease, and we lost him to suicide. And six months after that, my mom was diagnosed with uh, stage four colon cancer. And at the time, cancer was something out there that other people got. You know, not not somebody close to home. And I said to the doctor, stage four out of, and he said, well, out of four, it's, you know, terminal, it's three months at most. And she fought um, so bravely chemo radiation for um, what ended up being another two years before she passed away. But within two and a half years, I lost both my, my dad and my mother to, you know, two really serious diseases. And it just helped me realize um, that, you know, we've got to take care of what I call our MEPS well-being, mental, emotional, and physical and spiritual well-being. And we have to make common sense, common practice. So sense an acronym for sleep, exercise, nutrition, spirit, and environment. And that if we don't get those personal aspects right, it doesn't matter what we do in our professional lives, we're not going to thrive. 
my dad should be out there to this day, still building businesses, teaching people about businesses. He went to the grave with greatness inside of him. My mom was an amazing cook. She should have recipe books out there. She should have, you know, cooking classes out there. But she went to the greatness. She went to the grave with greatness inside of her. And I decided back then that I wouldn't let anybody go to the grave with greatness inside of them, that I want to liberate greatness. I want to be a catalyst for greatness. I want to inspire, encourage, and uplift people to go to their next level personally and professionally. And that really is the story of how the concept of liberating greatness came about, turning my pain into purpose, um, and just recognizing everything happens for a reason. You know, I've, 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 I've had such a wonderful opportunity to impact so many people since that day. Um, and uh, I know that it's not for it's not for nothing that it happens. So, uh, so yeah, that's the that's the origin story of the of the concepts. Thank you, thank you, John, and um, thank you for for being open to, to to sharing your your story, which having read the book makes makes a lot of sense. And and also in your book, John, you you mention a few other books so there are references to to a few other books and authors there's one in particular which is man's search for meaning by victor mm -hmm. franco just out of curiosity so i i assume you've read the book but just ask just checking have you read the book yes yes i read the book um actually really uh, also around uh maybe 20 25 years ago even i think at university i read the book and from from reading that book and just having that sense of purpose and why we do what we do, that was one of the key books that stimulated um, a, a passion, a curiosity in my mind for helping understand why people perform and succeed at higher levels than others. So yes, absolutely love the book, amazing story and an incredible journey in what was a, you know, an atrocity, a, a highly um, adverse situation for Viktor Frankl. For me, for me, Johnny was perhaps it's the most important book I've read in my life. And sometimes mm. people ask me when I'm being interviewed at podcasts or in other situations, do you have any recommendations for for books? And normally they think about like presentation skills books, but I say like forget about presentations. Like the the, the more for me the most important book is Man's Search for Meaning. By, mm. by Victor Frankl. So uh, I was I was glad to see to, to see that reference in your book as well. And, and John, in again in your book you go through some core principles and there are three in particular that are very much connected to the theme of of this podcast which is communication and also more in particular presenting public speaking which are awareness action and accountability so i'd like for mm. you to 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 share your ideas around each of them one at a time let's start with awareness you say that change starts with awareness and and then i'll leave it with you but the reason why i'm asking the question is because if you think about somebody who wants to improve their presentation skills for example then everything starts with awareness first of all we need to be aware of our current presentation skills. And then, for example, the second principle, action, then yes, we, we don't we don't stop at awareness, but we need to start with that because then the actions we are going to take, if we are aware of some potentially dynamics which are different from the best practices, then our actions are going to be much more useful. T tell us more from, from your perspective, the principle of awareness. Thanks, Andrea. Absolutely. So um, I, I talk about how all proactive change starts with awareness. So there's so much in the world happening that we cannot control that is change happening to us. And we, we can't do anything about that. But if it's change that you want to make happen, all proactive change starts with awareness. You need to know where you are now and where you want to get to. And then you know what the, the gap is and you can find a plan to close the gap. So if someone's giving you know somebody else feedback on their presentation skills, Feedback is a gift. Athletes crave feedback. You know, if you think about time, well, it better. We say we actually gift. It helps so, us sorry, get sorry, a sense. John. Of sorry, John. After you said athletes 
cray feedback then i lost you so uh, start again then, then i'll ask yeah. our video editor wait so after you said athletes cray feedback if you'd like to start from that so sorry about that but this is no what's that's okay today. that's okay i don't know something happened there with the with the network but great you can you can edit it that's fine um so absolutely, Andrea. So, you know, if you think about awareness, all proactive change starts with awareness. And awareness is often about receiving feedback. Think about an athlete. An athlete craves feedback. An athlete will, you know, run around the track, for example, and come back to the coach and say, what was my time? How do I start better? You know, as my technique right, what do I need to do differently? Where sometimes in a um, personal or professional environment, we tend to get a little bit um, defensive when we receive feedback. And I'm encouraging people to love feedback because feedback is a gift. So if you think about, you know, awareness of where you are now, that's your current reality. Awareness of where you want to get to, that's your desired future reality. So if someone gives you awareness of your presentation skills, you're not communicating well, you're not sticking to a core concept, have you got a framework that you're working through, it raises your awareness of the gap between where you are now and where you want to get to. And with that awareness, you can find a roadmap. You can find a plan that's going to get you from where you are to where you want to get to. The next stage of the framework is actually alignment. And then it's about alignment with your purpose, your mission, your goals, your values, your objectives. Now, if someone gives feedback to somebody else that their presentation skills aren't good, but they don't have a goal on being a good presenter, well, then it doesn't matter about that awareness because it's not aligned to their future best self as a, a strong presenter. But if your future best self is to be a world-class presenter, a world-class online trainer, a world-class influencer, and you have awareness that there's a gap in your presentation skills, now you know what action you need to take. That's learn something, change your mindset, change your skill set, change your tool set. And that gives you an opportunity to level up so that you can become a better public speaker. So I think those three actually form quite a beautiful link is with great awareness, and great alignment, then your action is laser, laser focused. And then what really helps to amplify and accelerate your performance is accountability. So having somebody like myself or, your, or yourself, Andrea, where people can come to us and say, you know, this is what I'm going to be doing. This is what I'm committing to doing. This is the journey that I'm going to go on. And we hold them accountable in a positive way. Accountability raises your standards to higher levels of excellence. And again, accountability is one of those words that often when I ask people in an audience who loves accountability, I maybe get a, a handful of hands, but not everybody loves accountability. What I'm encouraging people to think about is learn to love accountability because it will raise your standards to higher levels of excellence. It will raise your your standards. Uh, it, will re it will improve your outcomes as well. Like massively. Yes. Uh, yes. I've, I've experienced the... Uh, my own life, personal and professional life. Um, and John, you also talk about a very important principle in your book, which is the importance of mastering the fundamentals, sticking to the basics, which again is super relevant in our field. Because for example, just for you to know, John, a lot of people ask me, for example, what, what's new in your field? What are the new trends, new tools, new technology? And I think that, of course, on the one hand, we do want to pay attention to what's going on out there. But what really makes a difference and what really separates, say, great communicators from average communicators is whether or not we, we understand and we master the fundamental principles of communication. Mm. Now, that, I guess that applies in many other areas. It's not just for communication. So from your perspective, tell us more about the importance of mastering the fundamentals. So good, Andrea. I'm super passionate about that. And I know you are too. Um, there's this wonderful phrase by Bruce Lee that said, um, "It's you know, fear not the man that has learned how to do 10,000 kicks. Fear the man that has learned to do one kick 10,000 times, that man is lethal, right? And as a as a martial artist myself, I've got um, a black belt in three styles of karate. Really? I'm passionate about, absolutely, yeah. I do I, know that. Oh, uh, yes. I, from a young age, I started karate when I was um, five years old and, um, you know, just went up through the ranks. I got my first junior black belt as a 12-year-old and and continued to do it. Um, so just wow. super passionate about the, the principles, the discipline, the self-control, 
um, self-defense, of course, um, but uh, just the principles of mastery. You know, you don't become a black belt overnight. That takes years of mastering the fundamentals. So when I started karate at five, there was a group of maybe 10 or 12 of us as friends that all started together. And it's a little bit boring in inverted commas. You know, in the beginning, it's punch, 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 punch. And a lot of my friends didn't feel like they were making any progress where, you know, I stuck with it. And very quickly, I had one friend drop out after the next friend, after the next friend. And eventually, I was the only one out of our group of, you know, 10 or 12 people that started that continued to progress. And then when you get to black belt and you're throwing six punches a second, that's exciting. But that doesn't happen overnight. It's years of mastering the fundamentals to be able to achieve what you want to achieve. You've got to do the reps. Um, a lovely quote that I saw recently by Usain Bolt, he said that he trained four years to run nine seconds. And it's the same thing. It, you don't just show up to an Olympic event and run nine seconds. It was at least four years for him of training every single day, perfecting his craft to be able to run the nine seconds and break world records. So we've got to condition ourselves daily for mentally, for mental, emotional, physical, spiritual well-being. Um, we've got to condition ourselves to master our craft. And when it comes to communication, you know, same story. Um, are we telling the stories the way uh, they resonate with our audience? Let's get some feedback. What might we do to improve that storytelling? How can we improve our technique? How do we get our, our setup looking right, our tech working correctly? And, you know, just constantly mastering those key skills um, will really, really help when it comes to communication. Yeah, and I think the key insight there, John, is that on the one hand, the importance of doing the reps, practicing, 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 but also focusing on the fundamentals. Like yes. For example, Jeff, Jeff Bezos famously said, focus on the things that don't change. He says, he's often mm -hmm. asked, what do you think is going to change in the next 10 years? And he says, nobody ever asked me, what do you think is not going to change in the next 10 years? And he thinks that the second question is much more useful because if you focus on the things that don't change, you will be successful in the future Absolutely. and i think we can apply that in many different contexts now talking about mastering and doing the reps and, and practicing there is a wonderful concept that that you talk about you shared a, a linkedin post a few weeks ago a few weeks ago on that you talk about the idea of becoming one percent better every day and i think john some some people maybe many people i don't know not everybody realize the how powerful it can be mm. to become just 1% better every day. It could be at public speaking. It could be at whatever skill you want to master. Would you like to share your ideas around the importance of the fact that even minor tweaks often lead to major impact? That's it. And thank you for quoting the book as well. The minor tweaks lead to major impact. Um, um, Andrea, yeah, just so so um, passionate about that too. You know, we underestimate what can be achieved in a year, and sometimes we overestimate what can be achieved in a day. I think a lot of people potentially set them up, set themselves up to fail, where they think that they can get through too much in a day, and that um, you know, you get to the end of the day and you realize, oh, I didn't get to all those things, and it maybe gets you a little bit demotivated, so you stop taking action. Where if you recognize actually all I need is 1% consistently every day for the next year, and you'll be 27 times more, you know, 27 times better by the end of the year. That's the way the compound effect works. And a lot of great people have spoken about that, the likes of Darren Hardy in his book, Compound Effects, James Clear and Atomic Habits. Um, Zappos used that as a philosophy in their business on just encouraging people 1% better. What are those minor tweaks that you're constantly measuring and monitoring and improving that allow you to become better. Um, it was the Sky uh, Cycling team that won the Tour de France for a number of years in a row, led by uh, uh, Sir Dave Brailsford, who also spoke, spoke about marginal gains. And all those tiny little things that you can do to make improvements that make you better. So again, from a communication point of view, from a business point of view, uh, from any skill that you want to master point of view, getting that feedback to say, okay, what have we learned? And, you know, what can we improve? How do we make small tweaks that make major impact, minor tweaks that make major impact? It's a wonderful philosophy. And I think it also takes a lot of pressure off people to recognize, just make those small improvements every day. Think about the converse of that as well. 
if you don't make those small improvements, do you stagnate or do you go backwards? Because if somebody else is making those improvements, they're progressing. And if you're stagnating, you're actually going backwards. And worse, if you do go backwards, the gap gets further and further apart of where you could have been and where you actually are right now. So, you know, I always think that now is the best time to do a reset if people need to do a reset. And then just think about 1% better every day. You'll be so amazed with what you can achieve in 90 days, in 180 days, in 365 days. So just to to think about those three, six-month and 12-month goals. Love it. Uh, and and this is very much connected to mindset, which you also talked mm. about in the book. You go through some some mindsets that that if we want to achieve personal mastery, professional excellence, we, we need to consider. There's one in particular, John, one in particular which is which resonate with me, which is the beginner's mindset. Mm. And again, the reason why I'd like for you to, to share your ideas around that mindset is because what happens with us, for example, at Ideas on Stage, I don't know if it happens with you as well, John, with your clients, but sometimes, not, not, not all the time, but sometimes we have people who are interested in, in working with us because they want to become more confident presenters, they want to improve their public speaking skills, whatever they want to achieve. And, and that's what they tell us. But then in the conversation, we realize they're secretly they think they know it all. Mm. And, and that that's there's a bit of a, a disconnection there between what you say you, you need and you want and what you actually think. And I think that having a beginner's mindset, being open to to change, if you say you want to make whatever change you want to make, being humble also is is crucial. Yes. So from your perspective, tell us more, beginner, beginner's mindset. A few things that you mentioned there, Andrea, that really resonated, that humility to learn and grow is, is something internal, right? That's as much mindset as it is about your heart attitude to have that humility to learn, to grow, to say whatever the situation, doesn't matter what I've learned in the past, can I learn something different here? How can I see somebody else's perspective? The reality is we might both be seeing the same event from two different perspectives, both true and valid, that we could teach each other something. We could learn something from that experience if we're open to receiving and not just saying, well, my perspective is right, it is what it is. And I do see that. I see a lot of people that are closed, young people, older people, doesn't matter, but they could be closed to new ideas and they don't learn anything and they miss out on the opportunity. And then I see some people that are just so hungry for knowledge, they're like sponges and they get into an environment and they say, we're here to learn, we're here to grow. They don't know what it is that they're going to experience today, but they're receptive. And I think that makes the world of difference. When you go in with a, a beginner's mindset, it means that you recognize you do have a frame of reference. You recognize you do have a knowledge base, but you're starting as a beginner with that hunger, with that desire to learn and grow. Um, fresh perspectives. You're going to be more curious, and curiosity is the starting point for early learn or learning. You you know you ask questions because you're curious. Then you learn something. Then you can apply it. Then you can teach it. Then you can coach it, and then you can role model it. The six different uh, levels of mastery when it comes to to learning. Um, it all starts with curiosity. To be able to be curious, you have to have the beginner's mindset that says, "I'm here as a beginner, ready to learn and grow." And the the beginner's mindset, that curiosity, John, that's what I've seen with you when we both attended the 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 business accelerator with Dent that we've attended some time ago. And that's what prompted me to ask you, John, because we are for our listeners, we are part of the same accountability group. And I wanted to be part of your group because I saw that in the accelerator, even if you've had your, your successes, you've won multiple awards, amazing clients, you, you always approached each session with that uh, open-mindedness. Uh, I don't know if that's that's correct in English, but you were open-minded and I could see your curiosity, your enthusiasm, and um, uh, that, that was contagious for me in, in a very positive way. So thank you. Thanks, Andrea. Thank you for that. I appreciate you validating it. Yeah, I think, you know, just to have the humility to be in an environment with other people that are succeeding at different levels and not having a, you know, a sense of comparison, but just saying, 
somebody's doing something differently and it's working for them. What can I learn from them? How can I make you know little improvements to what I'm doing to take something from each person's book and uh, be able to apply that, you know, each person's story or or their journey and apply that. And I think just being immersed in that environment was so helpful for both you and I, as is the accountability. I look forward to those sessions, you know, where we can just share what are some wins, what are you doing differently, what's working, what's not working, because it gives us an opportunity to get input. And, you know, if if uh, if we get to the top and we've, we, we've got there alone, we've done it wrong, right? I think it's um, business is a journey and it's a, it's a team sport. Um, uh, you know, I talk in the book about the power of collaboration, you know, that, that when we communicate, collaborate and co-create the future, um, we'll be better for having collaborated, we'll be better for having learned from each other. And I, I have to have that sort of um, humility, if I believe in excellence, excellence is the gradual result of always striving to be better. And that means if today my way is the best way, and you say, hey, John, there's a there's an insight that'll that'll be better, let's do it this way. I'll say, absolutely, let's do it that way, because that's excellence. It's continual improvement. It's not a destination. It's a journey. So having that passion for excellence, that quest for excellence, um, I think, you know, just embracing that principle really helped me to get the most out of the DENT program together. And I continue to learn and grow from our time together, Andreas. So I appreciate you and and all the, you know, inspiring, mutually beneficial conversations that we have. Thank you. And as part of, of our journey, as a reminder, we have a call on, on Friday. As I told you, I do have a couple of questions to ask you in particular around guarantees, but but that's that's a that's a separate topic. Sure. And now in in your book, you also talk about courage. And again, a principle which is so relevant to, to the theme of, of this podcast. You say that courage is not the absence of fear. It is acting in spite of fear. Uh, you also say that we should choose courage over comfort. And I like that because, for example, a lot of people think, in, in my in my space, a lot of people think that that they want to be more, that they, yeah, that they think that they want to be more comfortable when presenting. However, I think that comfort should not be the goal because, for example, presenting by nature is not a comfortable thing to do. Mm. Presenting is not a natural thing to do. Even what we're doing now, like recording this podcast, is not a comfortable thing to do. If we think about public speaking in general, there are always there's always a level of either anxiety, nerves. So it's not... It's not about overcoming those feelings because I'm a presentation coach and I feel nervous before any any presentation. Yes. So my goal is not to overcome those feelings. Of course, we can. there are things we can do to, to control them in a much more mm -hmm. effective way, but we will never overcome those feelings. So it's, a, it's much more important, I agree with you, to to take action anyway in spite of 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 the discomfort sometimes in mm. your in your space tell us more what are what are your thoughts around the fact that courage is not the absence of fear yes courage is not the absence of fear it's acting in spite of fear and i think a lot of that is is recognizing the fear to begin with and then taking action in spite of the fear so it's not to say oh there is no fear there is no fear we have to acknowledge the fear and almost understand what fear am I experiencing? So typically the three fears that people experience, it's the, the fear of, of loss, the fear of the process, or the fear of the outcome. So what if I speak up? What if I stand on stage? What if I do a presentation and I lose something, like I lose credibility, or I lose friends because my opinion isn't a popular opinion, or I lose something in the process? What if it's a painful process? So I have to... I have to prepare, I have to practice, I've got to uh, you know, get somebody to listen to it, I've got to edit the, the speech, I've got to create slides. And because it's a painful process in our minds, we stop and we don't take action. Or what if it's a, um, a painful outcome or we fear the outcome? Worst case scenario, I finish and it's just like crickets. Nobody's, nobody's clapping, nobody's laughing, nobody's doing anything. 
or worse, they are laughing, but not because of my jokes. They're laughing at me. So we, we fear that worst case outcome where I try to encourage my clients to think about, well, how do you reframe that to gain? What do you have to gain? Even if it's a failure in inverted commas, but you learn something and you're failing forward, that's a gain. It's making you better. It's it's opening up your, your eyes. It's showing where you've got some gaps. Or if you if it's a success, you gain confidence, you gain experience, it expands your capacity. So to think about what we have to gain instead of lose, to think about how we can make it a fun, inspiring, engaging process rather than a painful process. And then to think about well, what's best case scenario. Best case scenario is that my stories resonate, that, that I impact people because I'm here to serve. It's not about me. When I stand on stage, I always think, who am I serving today? Thank you for the opportunity to serve today, to liberate greatness. That's my purpose, is that I exist to serve by liberating greatness. The serve comes first. It just changes my perspective on why am I here today? Not for me. You know, yes, I might be in the spotlight, but it's not because I must stay in the spotlight. I need to tell stories that resonate. I need to equip people with strategies, with tools, with frameworks. And the, the same is with the book, you know, um, my heart is to do exactly that. So I think when we do that, we we uh, step out of our comfort zone and magic happens outside of the comfort zone. Um, you know, nothing, nothing um, big is ever achieved by staying comfortable. Um, what I love about your story as well, Andrea, about the fact that you're still nervous before getting onto stage. What I didn't hear you say is you're anxious. Anxiety will come when you're not prepared, when you haven't done the work, and now you have to step up on stage. That will be anxiety. But the nerves are a good thing. And I think it's Simon Sinek who talks about, you know, when you're nervous, your hands get a little bit sweaty, your heart rate increases, your mouth gets a bit dry. When you're excited, your hands get a bit sweaty, your heart rate increases, your mouth gets a bit dry. So to remind yourself when you're nervous, you're excited because you're about to get onto stage and impact people positively. I think it's a great place to be. Yeah, and thank you also for sharing your your approach and your view on on failure. There are some there's a football I'm a football fan, John, and there is a football coach in Italy. I, I follow the the Serie A, the, the Italian league, and uh, but there are other coaches who said the same thing. And he said that we, we never we never fail. We, he even said we never lose. We either win or we learn. And I yes, think that's, that's a fantastic approach. And also, you talk about the the distinction between progress and perfection mm. which again is useful here to to mention because in in our space too many people want the perfect outcome the perfect presentation for example whereas there is no such thing as a perfect presentation a colleague of mine phil wakenell always says aim for personal make it personal not perfect there is no such thing as a perfect presentation and i think mm. that imperfection is also a, it can be a good thing of course it depends on, on what we are talking about but the aim should not be perfection the aim should be progress which might be mm. connected to becoming one percent better every day for example any other thoughts around progress over perfection yes i think perfection holds us back from actually taking action you know, so if you think about getting the perfect presentation together, you're not going to present it until you feel it's perfect, which means you don't make any progress. Nobody hears your message. You don't impact anybody. There's no progress for you. There's no progress for them. Nobody benefits from anybody striving for perfection. It's why I believe that excellence is a better thing to strive for because of that gradual improvement. And it's a case of, well, I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do my best. I'm going to serve at my highest levels. And I will get feedback. I'll be humble enough to receive feedback and actually say, how was it? What, what could I do better next time? What worked well? What resonated? What would be even better if I did something else? And that, that helps us make progress and we get to impact people in that journey. The reality, I think, as well, when it comes to presentation and communication, Andrea, is that people don't necessarily know what you were going to present. So how will they know what was perfect or not? Did you resonate? Did you connect? Did you deliver a message? You know, that's what people want to feel. Um, so, yeah, I'm a firm believer in, in progress over perfection and not letting perfection hold us back from taking action. One, one, we were talking about our journey with Dent 
And one of the, I've learned a lot in, I've been working with them since 2018 with different, different programs. And one piece of advice I, I got from Daniel, from Daniel Priestley years ago was, okay, I'll, I'll, t- I'll give you the, I'll, I'll tell you the story and then I'll tell you what the piece of advice was. So yeah. he suggested that I created a brochure that I could use during or with a team to during sales conversations with with prospects with potential clients. So a brochure with the benefits and features of your of your program. And after a few weeks or maybe even months, I don't remember now, of tweaking and trying to make it perfect, then I said we have a private community Facebook group. I said very happy, my brochure is ninety nine percent done. And, and I was very happy with myself. And he responded with a comment saying, that was like five years ago. I still remember. He said, 99% done is not done. Mm. And and I loved it because again, for me, I wanted to make it perfect. And as you said, I didn't make progress because he, he was right. He wasn't done. If you have a brochure or anything, a presentation, which is 99% done, it's not done. So yes. good is better than perfect. Yes. Yeah, yes, yeah. and and done is better than perfect. Done, done is, is better, better than perfect, perfect, right? And I think it's so powerful. Um, I, I've I've got a client who, um, you know, we were doing some work together, and the feedback just kept coming on small little improvements. And I'm, you know, as you know, I'm passionate about the small improvements. At a point, I said, look, at at you know, we've got to get this out. It's more important that it gets out there and it can start to positively impact the people we've designed this program for. And he realized actually hundred percent, let's get it out there. And the feedback has been amazing, which is, which is really, really good. So absolutely done, done is better than perfect. You know, you'd think about um, Apple. Apple is a great example of exactly that. You know, they've just released iPhone 15. It's the 15th iteration of what was supposed to be the the best smartphone in the world when it was released. What is it? Uh, over over is it almost 20? I'm not quite 20 years ago. 15 years ago, I guess. Maybe, maybe 15 yeah. years ago. That should give us a clue. The 15 iPhone 15. Um, so so even there, you know, Apple with all of their um, tech uh, have the humility to say we've made it better. We've learned. We've heard from you. We've taken in feedback. We've improved this, we've improved that, and it gets better inside and outside because they're on a journey. And just because it was the first iPhone doesn't mean it was the best iPhone. The 15th is the best at the moment, and there'll be more iterations moving forward. And the same is true with our brochure, for example. Since then, once we got it out there, we must have changed it many, not just 15 times, maybe 15,000 times. So once you get to the habit of, of just getting it out there, done is better than per- much better than perfect. Then it's a, it's a game changer. Also, what, a, a great a great one of the reasons why I like your your work, your approach is that on the one hand we are talking about excellence, on the other, in your book you say, and I have it here, you say, go hard on the plan and easy on yourself. In that mm-hmm. in that section of the book, you were talking about nutrition and. So you were saying that, for example, from a nutrition perspective, aim to get it 80% right, which is connected, I guess, to what we talked about so far. And that's something I like about your work. So go hard on the plan, but at the same time, easy on yourself. Tell me more. Yes. Yes. So that really came out of a fitness program I was doing for clients online, online fitness training. And what I found was, you know, we had a really solid plan, a nutrition plan, an exercise plan. And and we would encourage people to stick to the plan. And if you stick to the plan, you're going to go from where you are to where you want to be, and you're going to get great results. Um, but I often found that when people stumbled, that they'd really beat themselves up about that. And they would get, you know, oh, I've messed up the plan, and I, I didn't stick to it, and it's a whole disaster. And I'd encourage them, go hard on the plan and go easy on yourself. Give yourself a bit of grace. We all have stress. We all have moments, even from a nutrition point of view, I'm thinking, you know, myself, where, you know what, I feel like a bit of chocolate right now. And it's not on the nutrition plan I'm trying to stick to, but that's what I feel like right now. That's what I need right now. So that's what I have. And hence the 80% rule, 80-20 rule. Get it 80% right, and you're going to make the right sort of progress. Hi there. Before we continue with this episode, I just wanted to take a moment to share with you some resources that I believe would be super useful for you. The first one is my book, 
Confident Presenter. Check it out. You can find it on Amazon. I'm going to include the link in the show notes. It's a book for business owners, leaders, and the teams who want to become more credible, confident, and convincing presenters. To make the most of the book, take the Confident Presenter Scorecard, which is an online tool that allows you to assess your current presentation skills in less than three minutes for free. You just need to answer a few questions. The scorecard will give you a score from zero to 100%. It will tell you what that score means for you, and it will also identify opportunities for improvement. And then the last thing is my web class. I often run free presentation skills web classes where I go through my own process for creating my own presentations and those of our clients. So if you're interested, I'd love to see you there. I'm going to include all the links in the show notes. Thank you so much for listening to our podcast. It means the world to me. Now let's jump back into the conversation. I think just to give ourselves some grace, we're not going to get it right all the time. And that links into the desire to move away from perfection. If we're aiming for perfection, we will fail. Guaranteed, we will fail. Um, But if we're aiming for progress, if we're aiming to go as hard as we possibly can on the plan and go easy on ourselves, that's going to serve us better mentally, emotionally, and physically than if we try to get it 100% right 100% of the time. By the way, the 80-20 rule of principle seems to work everywhere in life. Whatever Mm -hmm. you want to do, 80-20 is always a good indication. Yes. And... Now, at the at the beginning of this conversation, you mentioned a book, which so I'd like to go back there because I read it. I don't remember now the the author. Was it the the Power of Habit or something like that? What what, what was um, the book Atomic Atomic Habits? So that's, Atomic um, Habits. Atomic Habits. James which Clear. I've read. Yeah. Uh, so sorry. Tell me again. The author. James Clear. James Clear. Yeah. So I read it mm. last year, maybe. Great book, and. Now, it's not just for for habits, but and you also talk about in your book about routines, the importance Mm. of routines in, of course, in your own field, in your context. But just out of curiosity and John, the answer doesn't have to be yes. If it's no, it's no, it's okay. So this is just my curiosity before. No, I know that you you speak in public a lot, conferences. You told me that. So we are recording this in November 2023. In a few weeks, you're going to the Bahamas to, to yes. run a, a program so you, you are used to to be on stage and before you speak in public do you have any any particular routines anything anything that you do to to make sure that you are in this in the right um, mindset or any, anything in particular that you do before you speak in public Yes, um, I have I have many different routines. Are you are you thinking immediately? So as I'm about to step onto stage, that sort of routine, or or the build up towards an event? Yes. So I was thinking about just immediately before, but but if you've got if you do in a different context in a different time frame, that's okay too. Perfect. Perfect. So yeah, just thinking about the past um a couple months, and I had the privilege of um speaking in Spain, in Nashville, in San Diego at three different events, um, back in the UK and most recently in, in Kuala Lumpur in Malaysia. So getting, you know, to travel across the world to speak. The 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 key thing that I do always is think about my audience. In my pre- planning and my preparation, I have to think about the audience. All of those different events, different audiences. Similar message, um, obviously using my framework, but making sure that I resonate with my audience. So really putting my focus on them. So I always in my longer term preparation, and then immediately as I'm about to step onto stage, I'm thinking about who am I serving today? What do I want them to take away today? So I've got to keep that top of mind. I'm here to serve. I'm here to give. I'm not here to hold anything back. I don't need to receive anything other than knowing that people are receptive and they're learning. So that's part of my mindset that I go into it. Um, obviously, the planning and preparation is is critical. So running through key themes, not having everything written down, uh, you know, verbatim, word for ver- word for word, but having key themes that I want to communicate. And then I do, um, you know, breathing exercises before I speak. Whenever I, I speak on a podcast, wherever, I, whenever I speak on stage. I do about thirteen minutes of breathing first, and I and I run through a routine to do that. 
that just helps me get, you know, good breathing in. It warms up my voice, recognizing that my voice is my my instrument. And I and I want to play it beautifully. I want to resonate with people. Um, I want to inspire, encourage, and uplift people with my voice. So my voice is a key thing. And generating energy is important too. So I, I like to exercise. You've you've picked up in the book. That's a key theme in my in my messaging around our personal ecosystem. So just generating energy before I get onto stage. Sometimes it's literally just standing in a place and bouncing, just like just reminding myself what I'm about to do. Because people feel your energy when you get onto a stage. And if your energy is flat, the audience will be flat. That's not the audience's fault. That's my fault if I'm doing that, right? Um, and similarly, if the audience walks away thinking, I'm buzzed, I'm energized, I don't know what happened there. That's because I generated energy to give to the audience and I helped them generate energy during the session. So, so a few things there just to recap that I'll do as I go onto stage, the breathing, the focus on the audience, generating energy, running through some key messages, and then uh, just getting up onto the stage and serving with all my heart. Great. Don, uh, so what I like to do, I like to just summarize a few of the things you mentioned for the benefit of our audience i like to amplify them because they are all super useful for for listeners so first of all you said that you are always you you always think about the audience in preparation for the presentation just before the presentation and this is the number one principle in communication you can have a, a great message which may be simple for the audience to understand clear for them to follow and remember engaging as well but if it's not relevant to them and their needs and the context then it's not going to help so start at ideas on stage we always say john when you give a presentation it's not your presentation it's always the audience's presentation mm, so i, like I agree with you 100 percent. then i also do breathing and 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 voice exercises i have a one minute routine if you want which includes these two things voice warm-up and breathing for me breathing means something super simple i breathe in through my nose and i count to four and mm -hmm. i breathe out through my mouth and i count to six because when you make your breathing out longer than when you breathe in that helps you calm down you also want to learn how to breathe with your belly not with your chest but, but don't yes. get to, into the specifics voice yes voice you said is, is a powerful tool Voice is perhaps the most powerful tool we have when, for obvious reasons, when communicating, yes. especially when we are communicating online. Sometimes online, if we are not on video, voice is the only tool we have. So it's important to warm me up. Can I mention something around energy, which may be, and I know what you meant, and and I think it's it's correct. However, I think we also need to distinguish, and I'm just doing this because we're having, this is, yeah, it's, we are recording a podcast, but I like to, to, to keep it informal. We're having a chat. And I think that some people think that they have to be energetic. They, 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 need, to, they need to generate energy when presenting. And if we really think about it, so on the one hand, I totally understand what you're saying. And for you, it makes a lot of sense. But I don't think that every anybody needs to generate energy. It's not, I don't think, John, that it's, that it's true that, that everybody in the audience likes energy. There are, mm. in my experience, there are some people in the audience who like, who love energy, like the, the Tony Robbins type of energy, for example, yes, when yes. presenting. And others don't. But what everybody likes, what I found is that everybody likes dynamism. Mm. We all love dynamic speakers. And we can become more dynamic by changing the way we use our voice, for example, or by changing the way we use our body. When we are on stage, it could be in person, it could be online. So for me, it's important to differentiate between energy, which may or may not work it depends on the context and it could work for you that's great but then dynamism will work mm -hmm. for everybody yes yes and i love your perspective on that Andrea. recognizing that each person's different you know that um you and i will always be the second best anybody else right we'll be the best ourselves but we'll be the second best anybody else 
So we have to generate the energy or the dynamism that resonates with who we are and how we serve. And it's not necessarily about being frenetic on stage and, and hyping people up because just too much at one level is not attractive. But how do you take people on an emotional or um, you know energetic roller coaster where they, they're feeling different things throughout the experience? And I think that's more of what I'd like to experience and what I'd like to give is that sense of people are feeling something. They're being moved by the message. They're being moved by the delivery. And that, uh, that needs to come from me starting that, generating that in myself first, focusing on the audience. I love the fact that that's your number one principle with communication. You know, it's, it's about the audience. It's the audience's presentation. I love that. Great insight. And just being dynamic. You and I can speak passionately without being loud, without being, without speaking too quickly. And people will be moved by that level of communication, or we can generate energy in other ways. So I love the perspective and good to recognize that. Yeah. yeah. And now, as you know, my book is around becoming a more confident presenter. The title is Confident Presenter. And so every time I find interesting perspectives on confidence in general. I'm always interested. So in your book, you talk about the confidence, competence loop. Yes. Tell us more. Yes. Yeah, so a, a very famous um, framework in psychology, it's an, an infinity loop that talks about confidence and competence and recognizes that if you're competent at a particular thing, you know how to do the thing, you will be confident. So competence, confidence. And what I love about the fact that it's an infinity loop, it doesn't only have to start with competence. It can start with confidence, confidence to give it a go, confidence to try, confidence that you've done the work, you've done the research, you've learned about your audience, confidence that you have prepared. And then when you have that level of confidence in your ability to give it a bash and to learn and to fail forward and you know figure things out along the way, then you do take action. And that's where the courage comes in with clarity and confidence, you demonstrate more courage. And then because you do the thing, you become more competent, which makes you more confident. And that's the infinity loop and it's beautiful flow. Um, so people don't have to wait until they have the skills to actually have the confidence to go and do the thing. In your book, you talk about starting before you are ready. Yes. Which is which is this? Like, if we want to start, so it doesn't have to. We don't have to start with competence. We can start with confidence. To do that, often we need to be willing to start before we are ready, right? Yes, yes, absolutely. You know, you think about the first time you stepped up on stage, Andrea, and you delivered a presentation, um, versus where you are now as a highly skilled, highly confident presenter. If you if you knew where you would get to, and you waited until you had the skills at your current level to do that first presentation, you may never have started and the world would not be as good a place as it is because of you today. So, um, so yeah, it's just such a good message. Start before you're ready with the humility to learn, to grow um, the confidence to figure things out and you will make progress. And I think the two things are very much connected because if we start before we are ready, but, or if we accept this, but at the same time, we fall back to the position of oh, we need to make it perfect it's uh, there's always a contradiction there and it's not going to work but if we if we embrace both principles start before before you're ready and it doesn't have to be perfect it will never be perfect mm. then they work really well together yeah, really good. I mean, you mentioned your brochure and how many iterations you've had on that. And I've I've seen that in you to, you know, you ask for input, you ask for perspective and, you know, you've been doing this for some time. So the fact that you're still asking for input um, shows your humility and your desire to learn and grow and continue to improve it. So starting before you're ready is the brochure was 99% done. Get it out there, start. Okay. And you weren't necessarily ready. It, it didn't need to be perfect. And because of that, you've got feedback, you've made it better. It's had some a few iterations. It's at a higher level because you started, because you got it out there. And it's a, it's a great principle in anything that we're doing. If you ask my kids, and I'll often do this, I'll remind them, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get stuck on something. And I'll say to them, well, how do you master any skill? And they'll just smile and they'll say to me, study and practice. 
And that's what it is, right? Learn the skills, learn the strategies, learn the techniques, and then put them into practice. You have to practice. You got to take the action. Otherwise, you don't master the skill. If I think about public speaking in particular, so thinking about what your kids tell you, and they are so right, public speaking is a skill. And by the way, John, it may be the same in your space as well with any other skill, but I'm just thinking about public speaking now. It's a skill that requires knowledge and technique. It's a Mm. bit like learning how to play a new sport or how to play a new musical instrument. You, You need knowledge. You need the, the you need to know the rules of the game, for example, in a sport, and you need technique as well. Mm. And anytime we have this combination of knowledge and technique, your kids are right. What really makes a difference is practice. And okay, so we are as we approach the conclusion of our conversation, I'm just curious, John, in your in your work, so you you help your clients achieve personal mastery, professional excellence. You, I know that you work one-to-one, you work with teams as well for them to collaborate better. What's the, in your experience, what's the role of communication? What does communication in your communication skills play for, for us as individuals and as teams to be able to achieve excellence? Uh, communication is critical, Andrea. You know, in in our personal lives, if we want to be able to deliver our message, to be the the best version of ourselves, and to give the gift that we have, you know, you'll you'll see in my book where I talk about I want to liberate your greatness, not just for yourself to have greatness, but because your greatness is your gift that you get to give to the world. It means we have to be able to communicate that with full authenticity, with full vulnerability, with full confidence. We've got to be able to communicate that if we want to make a positive impact on the world. So communication is critical in our personal lives and for us to be able to master communication. When it comes to teams, I often look for how teams perform. And and I have a lot of clients that will come to me as high achieving teams, but not high performing teams. They'll achieve high results, but those results are coming at the cost of relationships. They're coming at the cost of their own well-being or the team's well-being. They're dysfunctional. And the thing that I look out for most is how do they communicate with each other? Dysfunctional teams don't communicate. They don't collaborate, and therefore they can't co-create the future. And those three Cs is what I look for in a high-performance team and how I help my clients move from high-achieving to high performance is I help help them become a, a high performance team that's highly energized, highly engaged. They drive growth together with empathy and clarity. And here's the key is that they communicate, collaborate, and co-create the future. If you're communicating well, you will collaborate because you'll embrace each other's perspectives. You'll embrace what I call cognitive diversity, diversity of thought. The fact that you and I are going to see different things. That's good. Andrea, help me see what you see because I don't see it. I want to see your perspective. When we do that, when we communicate that openly, we'll collaborate and we will co-create something so special that we will become a high-performance team and and achieve amazing things. So I'm always looking for those things and uh, helping clients get to that point of of high-performance through communication, collaboration, and co-creation. I'd like to close our conversation by talking about uh, in the same way as you close your your book you close with the one positive action challenge so again for those who haven't read the book which i recommend um what's the one positive action challenge Thanks, Andrea. I appreciate you mentioning that. Um, You know, sometimes we have these mental spirals that either send us down a negative spiral or a positive upward spiral. And often things come into our our, our minds and, you know, maybe we, we see it as a negative thought and we become discouraged and deflated and demotivated. And if we dwell in that space, we become depressed. Where I've recognized that if people say, okay, it's just a thought, it's not necessarily negative, it's just a thought. What's one positive action that I can take? to make things better. And you take one positive action after the next positive action, you start making some progress. We know with when you make progress, you start feeling inspired, you start feeling better about yourself and you start doing that consistently, one positive action after the next, you build up momentum and eventually you become unstoppable. So the gap is from down at the bottom of that negative spiral where you're depressed to the top of the positive spiral where you're unstoppable. 
it starts with one positive action. And I think if we can take one positive action in our own lives, we m make progress in our own lives, we make the world around us better. And, you know, you think about uh, the seven and a half billion people on the planet, each taking one positive action a day, I think the world would be a better place. And that's a lot of positive actions. Yeah, love them. Yeah. let's let's wrap up with a couple of things one is so in addition to to your to your book which again i recommend it's here for those who are watching this liberate your greatness by john is it rousseau is that how you pronounce your surname that's right it's rousseau um so the, it sounds I have... french or it does sound french it is french indeed uh, my great-grandfather was born in paris so both uh, both sets of grandparents, uh, Greek Cypriots, um, so the Greek would have been Roussos with an S at the end, but because my great-grandfather was born in Paris, they changed it to a silent T to make it sound French. So, uh, okay. so, so South, South African-born Greek boy with a French surname. International. And yeah. right, so beyond your own book, if you think about what we talked about today, personal excellence, professional mastery, did I get it right? No, personal mastery, professional excellence. Sorry. That's right. Yeah. Are there any other books? It could be just one book or a few other books that, that you recommend for, for our listeners. Andrea, thanks. It depends what your listeners are, are wanting to achieve. You know, as you mentioned, Viktor Frankl's book uh, is, is so powerful, Man's Search for Meaning, because it really gets to the heart of why you're doing what you're doing. Simon Sinek, who spoke about Start With Why, also popularized that concept of, there we go, of, um, you, you know, um, the why, how, and what, being clear on why you do what you do. And I'm a firm believer in that. And then really just the the skills that you're wanting to acquire, you know, your your book, um, The Confident Presenter, is so powerful. It's got so many great frameworks. I love the way you simplify things and you help um, equip your readers with the right strategies and tools and frameworks to tell stories and to move through that um, and become more confident as presenters. I think from a storytelling point of view, Mark LaRousse's book on glow in the dark is also really powerful. Um, you and I both appreciate Mark and the, the work that he's doing in the world. Um, and I know you've interviewed uh, authors uh, that have written books on how to present, like, uh, you know, do TED Talks. Um, so there are a number of different books. My recommendation always is the application of the principles. So if somebody is reading Confident Presenter, master the principles in Confident Presenter. Um, you know, I know how much work you put into that and the research that you did. Um, it's it's your, you know, 20 plus years of experience that you've you've put into one book. Um, so I'd encourage people to go deep rather than going too thin across a number of different books. And it's the same with my book as well. You know, if we apply the principles consistently, it's that, you know, you don't have to do 10,000 th things, do five things 10,000 times. That's going to be powerful. Yeah. And by the way, I, so for our listeners, I interviewed Mark, Mark Larus on this podcast twice. And the last time a few months ago, where we talked about glow in the dark, his book, mm -hmm. which is which is yeah, all around the power of sharing your personal stories to yes. grow your business, but not necessarily to to make a bigger impact, whatever it is that, that that you're trying to achieve. And now that your book is out, so it's been a few weeks now, and the answer again could be no, but if you could go back and change something in the book. Would you would you do it? Would you change anything? And if so, what would you change? Hmm, interesting question, Andrea. I think um, when I was writing the book in the beginning, um, I found myself trying to um, get uh, you know get too many things too right, and uh, and I had to remind myself of, of the you know the principle of progress over perfection. And um, if I was to go back with that written up on my you know, wall somewhere in big letters from the beginning. I think I may have had, you know, the stories flowing easier and uh, just being a, a little bit less constrained um, in the beginning. With the, um, I went through various iterations, I'm sure you did with your book. I found with the iterations, I loosened up a little bit more than I was in the beginning. And, um, you know, I feel like all of that experience in writing the first book means that I need to write a second book so that I can put all of those lessons into practice. Um, so it would it would just be that you know to be have the confidence to tell the story the way it truly authentically is, and I've 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 done that now in the book, but just thinking about that first iteration, 
um, you know, not to not to try and get it to a point where it's, uh, you know, overly cooked, but just, you know, just well prepared, well thought through uh, messages that resonate and principles that people can apply. Yeah. Uh, and by the way, I, I don't know about you, but I do have a, an idea for for a second book for me. And mm. maybe we'll talk about it in our accountability calls. Uh, Amazing. Do, do you already have something in mind for potentially a second book? I do. I do. I've um, I've got one that's already in an ebook format um, that I can definitely be um, fleshed out. And there's a there's a potential third book that's uh, that's I've got a title for. I've registered the uh, the title, the URLs, and uh, <laughs> it's it's got an outline. So um, I need can, to. Can you share the title, or is it top secret for now? Well, so the the the, uh, the sense framework that I shared with you previously, I've I've registered make common sense common practice. So just recognizing that, um, you know, a lot of those elements of sleep, exercise, nutrition, spirit, environment, we know we need to get good sleep. We know we need to exercise. We know we need to eat well. We need to take care of our our spirit, whether that's faith or or our values. And we know we need to have a good environment, but people don't always make common sense, common practice. So I want to I want to equip people with the strategies and the tools and frameworks to do that. Um, and there's another one uh, called um, Onto the Water, which is about stepping out of the boat with faith, taking massive action. And that's really linked to the courage conversation that we had earlier, recognizing that there will be fears. There will be you know, wind and waves that will discourage us from taking action. But I've learned in my life that that's uh, how we how we uh, achieve incredible things with faith, with massive action, stepping out of our comfort zone onto the water. I'm looking forward to book number two and three, and you will be back if you Thank want. Thank you, Andrea. I would you will love be invited to. for sure. Thank you, Andrea. On our podcast, and if anybody wants to connect with you, where should they go? Where do they find you? Thank you, Andre. So, um, John Russo is my my LinkedIn uh, profile. So they can go, they can find me on LinkedIn. They can find me on Instagram. They can go to johnrusso.com. And if they want some more information about the book and uh, some additional bonuses for the book, um, liberateyourgreatness.com is the book's landing page as well. And we're going to include everything in the show notes. And let's close this way, John. We talked about many things, and maybe you mentioned that already, which is fine. I think repetition is good in communication. Let's say that somebody watches this conversation, they listen to it, and after a while, they forget everything because that's that's how our brain works. But let's say that they remember one thing, just one thing. And if they remember that thing, you will be happy. What's that thing? What's the most important thing you would like our listeners today to take away from this conversation? Thank you, Andrea. I would want um, your listeners to recognize that greatness is within you. There's greatness within each and every person listening here today. And if they have the desire, if they have the will to recognize where they are now and where they want to get to, that's the starting point of the framework that all proactive change starts with awareness. Whatever it takes to liberate their greatness, I would be um, super excited that your listeners take it away with them today. Thank you very much, John. All the very best. Thank you, Andrea. It's been such a pleasure being with you. Thank you for hosting me on your podcast. And I look forward to our future conversations and indeed our journey together in our accountability and our friendship. So I appreciate you. Thank you very much. Likewise, I appreciate you, your work, your you taking the time today and um, we'll speak on Friday. Amazing. Thanks, Andrea. If you enjoyed this episode of the Ideas on Stage podcast, there are many more you might like. So please subscribe, leave us a review and tell us what you think. You can find many more ideas on business communication at ideasonstage.com or by searching for Ideas on Stage on iTunes, YouTube, or wherever you get your podcasts. Thanks for listening and goodbye for now.